Good morning, y'all. My name is uh, Crystal. If you could please remain standing for the reading of the word. Today I'll be reading from John chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once, once more to Galilee. Now he, had, he, now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from his own journey, sat down by this well. It was the sixth hour. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped some. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Chris. All right, let's pray together. God, we do thank you that, gosh, like we just sang, um, Jesus, you are our cornerstone, you are our foundation, the one that we are able to build our lives on. And as we see in this story, Jesus, you are the living water to our souls, the, the life spiritually that we have, dead in sin, but alive in you, Christ. So we thank you. God, I ask, as, um, as we walk through this amazing story today, that you would help us to see ourselves in this story, both as this woman at this well, someone in so much need, someone hiding, someone afraid, someone struggling with past and current sins. Help us to see ourselves there, sitting across from Jesus, and just hearing that he is the living water, hearing that he is the only way to be saved and forgiven. But also let us see ourselves as potentially people who could go to these places in this world, these wells around our community, and offer the same hope and the same life and the same living water to others through Christ. God, I thank you that your word shows us this story, this, this kind of private interaction and, and conversation, but we have it to see and to read and to know and God, I thank you that um, you brought us here today. Through the storms, you are Lord, Lord of all. And uh, we're here, and we thank you that we get to be here together. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have a Bible, uh, open it up with me to John chapter 4. That's what um, Chris just read for us, the woman at the well. Um, it's a story that, if you've been around church a little while, you've probably heard a bunch of times. Um, hopefully, you'll be able to see a couple maybe new and fresh things in it today, maybe not, and that's okay. But what I want to do today as we walk through this story is sort of just ask us questions together. I really, I want to kind of read through the story with you. And, and as we see Jesus interact with this woman at this well, um, that we would just sort of pause and ask ourselves, 
things about what are, what's going on here. Why does Jesus say certain things? Why does she say certain things? And who are the people that we live around in this world that we can take the same hope and the same living water to, um, like I just prayed, really I want us to see ourselves in two different lights. And there might be some of us in this room on either side of this coin. There might be some of us in this room on both sides of this coin. Um, one side is that we all are these people at these wells, right? We're all this woman at this well. Somebody who needs Jesus so desperately, so badly, right? We just sang because we need him. We, we are here because we need him. We read his word because we need We pray because we need him. Um, he came to this world because we need him. We need the living water. So that's all of us in that, in that regard, that we all need Jesus every day. But also on the other side of that, that maybe we would even see ourselves as um, possibly having opportunities in our lives to go and be like Jesus was to this woman and an and offering of living water that we get to share with other people that Jesus is good. Right there, as we go out into our normal daily lives, and what I want to use is the term the well today. Um, as you go to your well, uh, your school, your job, your neighborhood, your family, your home, right? As you go wherever you go, wherever people are, that you would have the opportunity to be like Jesus to these people and to share with them that there is real living water and his name is Christ, and that we could actually offer the hope and the life change that comes only in Jesus. Um, this is our missions month here at Eastridge. Um, and so last week we really jumped into the, the kind of the overarching idea that Jesus has called and commissioned all of us, if you're a follower of him, to go into the world, to love people, and to make disciples, right? That's what we talked about last week. And so today we're really just asking the question, how do we do that right here in our, in our community? How do we do that? Right? How, do we, how do I go just right outside these doors, just right down the street, just into my neighborhood or wherever I, I go? How do I go? And love people? How do I make disciples? We're going to kind of look at local opportunities as well. In just a little bit, we're going to show you all a, a slide that has all of our local missions partners and ways that we can go and serve. Okay, out there on tables, you guys probably saw when you walked in, there are all sorts of ways that you can be serving and contributing uh, to various missions that we have around town, whether the Refuge uh, Pregnancy Center, Salvation Army, Repairs of the Breach, Christian Learning Center, Bread Oxford College Ministry. There are all sorts of different ways in this community right now that we can go and we can make disciples. Jesus said this to his disciples in Acts 1.8. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, he said to them, in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? And so Jesus was commissioning his disciples to go out into the world, right? But where did they start? Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, right where they live, Okay, so for us at Eastridge, listen, everybody just lean in because here, here, here's the call for this month is that we would be people that go, that we'd be people that go. And yes, we, we may have a mindset of going all out in the world to the ends of the earth. And Jesus said that too. But first he said, Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, right where we live. And let's be willing to go. And so I want to look at the story of the woman at the well because Jesus is modeling this for us, right? He is the living water, but he's also given us a great example of how to interact with people out here in our community. He goes to a woman at a well in Samaria, right? Right around the area in which they lived in Palestine. You have Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Galilee, all these little areas. He's in Samaria at the time, and he just sits and he talks and has a conversation with a woman who needs to have a conversation. And this is what I want you to know, y'all. There are wells all around us, and there are people all around us they just need conversation, need somebody to see them, need somebody to talk with them. So let's read verses one through six again. Actually, no, let's just pick it up in verse four. Now he had to go through Samaria. Jesus had to go through Samaria to get to where he was going. Verse five, he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth 
hour. So let's pause. First question. Like I said, we're just going to ask questions as we walk through this story. Where is your well? There's a question. Where is your well? What well do you go to? And when I say well, as we talk through the rest of this sermon, here's what I want you to hear. When you hear the term well, I want you to hear, where do you go? Last week we talked about you're going to go. You're going to go somewhere. Where are you going? Where's your well? Where are people at that you interact with on a regular basis? Okay, guys, our wells are all around this place. Home, neighborhood, job, school, campus store, carpool, restaurant, ball fields, coffee shops, playgrounds, gyms, bars, PTO meetings, golf courses, social media, online gaming, church even is a well, right? There are all sorts of places that we interact with people. That's a well. What was a well in their culture? It was a place where typically women just gathered together to get water morning and evening. They would go to the well, but it was a cultural and a sociological thing where they would gather together, probably hang out, talk to each other, interact, have community, have relationships and friendships, right? It was the place they went all the time. Where's your well? Where do you go? Where are you going today? Where are you going tomorrow? Where are you going this week? That's a well. So ask yourself that question. Where's your well? Verse seven. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? So let's just pause there. A Samaritan woman. Jesus is sitting at the well. He's tired from his journey. I love how every now and then John and the other gospel writers, they'll just put little things in there to remind us Jesus is a man. He's God, but he's also man. He's just tired. He sits down. His disciples go off into town. And Jesus sits at this well. And who shows up? A Samaritan woman. Second question. Who goes to your well? Who's at your well? Whatever well you're going to be at tomorrow, this week, or whenever, who else is going to be there? It's a good question, right? Who, who are the people that you interact with on a daily basis, a weekly basis? Friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, maybe strangers. Who are these people? Where are they coming from? You might know a little bit about them. You might know a lot about them. You might not know anything about them at all, but they're there. This is what you know. They're at the well, right? You know that at least. They, 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 they go to the same school you go to. They're in the same classes. They're your bosses. They're your coworkers. They're your neighbors. Some of them are your family members. Who's at the well? Who are the people that you see, that you interact with? So the, the Samaritan woman comes up. Jesus asks, will you give me a drink? Verse 8. His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Let's ask some more questions. At your well, where you go, what are the social customs? What are the norms? What are the things that people expect out of you and out of everybody else who goes there? Right? Wherever this is, whether this is school or your job or your gym or whatever this kind of looks like, what are the, what are the customs? What are the norms? How do people act at the well? right? Who are you supposed to talk to? Ooh, listen to this one. Who are you not supposed to talk to at the well? Who's it not expected for you to talk to? Like there, there's customs, right? There's norms. And we all kind of understand this. And some of this stuff is just stuff we don't talk about. But maybe sometimes where we go in our lives, there's actually people around us that no one expects us to talk to, or they're not expected to talk to us. And it might not be like a race thing. It might not be like a hatred thing. It might just be that that's awkward, it might just be that it's weird. It might just be that you don't know them. It might just be that they're kind of the different person, or it might be that you're the different person. Then it might just be that sometimes y'all don't interact and you don't talk because you know what? It's awkward. 
But goodness gracious, y'all, can we trust God and the gospel to overcome awkwardness? Can we trust in that? I hope we can trust in that because I think it's true that the gospel can do that. I guarantee you it was awkward for a minute with Jesus and this woman. So I was just sitting there. She walks up. She sees this dude. She's like, I don't know who you are. Clearly you're a Jew by the way, probably his accent and kind of the way he is. And she knows that he's a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. We're not supposed to engage in conversation here. This is not what people do. What are you supposed to be doing at the well? Who are you supposed to be talking to? Who are you not supposed to be talking to? See, Jews and Samaritans, um, they had a long history. Basically, when um, the, the northern kingdom, Israel and uh, Judah, the kingdom was separated after Solomon's reign, right? So the northern kingdom of Israel was led into captivity by the Assyrians in the 700s B.C., right? Now, when they led the Jews off to captivity, they left some in Israel, right? They left some in Israel, and that northern kingdom was also called Samaria. They left some of them there. And then the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, they would send new people into the region, right? So the Jews were still living there, and then these other people were coming into their promised land, right? If you know biblical history, this is the land that God had given his people, and now other people are coming in. And they're do, they start to do what they're never supposed to do, which was intermarry with these other cultures and these other nations, right? God had told them expressly, don't do that, because they're going to lead you into idolatry. They're going to lead you away from me, right? So they begin to marry into these other cultures, these other religions, these other nations. They begin to have children with them, and over the next several hundred years, this entire new race of people was created called the Samaritans. And now the Jews, when they came back from captivity, what they found was no longer are our people here, but there's this whole new race of Samaritans here. And so the Jews look at Samaritans as the people who defected right? The ones who did not obey God. And now they've even separated their worship. And we'll, we'll read this in a second. But the Samaritans worship on Mount Gerizim, right? Way over here in Samaria. And the Jews go to Jerusalem to worship God because that's where you're supposed to go. So the Jews and the Samaritans, not only do they just kind of not get along, they are at odds with each other. The Jews consider Samaritans as, just telling you how they thought about them, they're half-breeds, they're blasphemers, they're defectors. We don't talk with them. We don't associate with them, right? They have gone off the rails. Jews and Samaritans do not talk. So Jesus asks this woman for a drink. Jesus doesn't care about this stuff, by the way. He just doesn't. But he knows the tension, and he asks her for a drink, and she kind of brings that up. You know, what? I'm a Samaritan woman. You're a Jew. Why are you asking me for a drink? I just feel like this needs to be said. For anybody who maybe is still struggling with some of these things in our world, in the kingdom of God, there are no strangers, only neighbors. There are no strangers, only neighbors. And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Y'all, y'all get that story a little bit stronger now with, if you hear that tension, right? That this Jewish man falls into the hands of robbers. Uh, a Levite and a priest, Jewish men who are supposed to be taking care of the Jewish people walk right by him. And then who shows up to help him? A Samaritan. When the Jews hear that story, it would blow. Their, that's why Jesus got killed, because he told stories like that. Much less that he would sit down at a well with one of these Samaritans. Right? Because there's no strangers in the kingdom of God. Only neighbors in Jesus' mind. And that's how that story ends, the Good Samaritan, right? Who is my neighbor? The one who helped, right? The one who served him. The one who loved him. That's our neighbor. Everybody's a potential neighbor to us. If we would just love people, stop seeing them through earthly eyes. So when you go to your well, who are you supposed to talk to? Who are you not supposed to talk to? Because it might very well be the people you're not supposed to talk to or the people you just don't usually talk to that you need to talk to, right? So Jesus begins 
to talk to this, this woman. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? She kind of hears that. She's like, okay, that sounds good, but you don't have anything to give it to me with, right? Verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't, have to, so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Do you hear her tension, right? She said, I don't want to come here anymore. And we're going to get to why in just a second, but she has reasons, right? She has reasons she doesn't want to be at this well. There's a reason she's at this well, as John has already told us, in the middle of the day, the sixth hour. That was 12 p.m. Well, with the time change, it was 11. So um, she's, at, she's at the well, right? In the middle of the day when people don't go to the well. That's why she's the only one there. They go early morning. They go late evening. She's there in the middle of the day. There's a reason for that. Here's a question. Next question. Listen, what do people need at the well? What do they need? There's all sorts of ways to answer that question. Of course, they need Jesus, but they need other things too, right? Like, what do they need at the well? Start, listen, when you go to your wells, when you start having conversations with people, listen to them. Listen to what they need. Listen to them. Actually care. Do you care what they need? That's a good question. Do you even care what people need at the well? Jesus did. And she had real needs. Listen, she was physically thirsty, and people have physical needs. They have health needs. They have financial needs, family needs, job, car, home, whatever. They have emotional needs, depression, grief, loneliness, suffering, fear, anxiety. They have spiritual needs, of course, love and hope and truth and encouragement and peace and forgiveness. But as they need those things, what are they masking their needs with? Listen, this, this is where it gets real, right? As we start listening to people, as we start getting to know people, as we love people around us in our community, as we go to these wells and we ask ourselves, what do they need? But how are they masking those needs with, with physical or spiritual or, 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 or superficial things, right? How are they masking their real spiritual needs with superficial things, like going to a well in the middle of the day or the money that they make? or the job that they have, work, workaholics, and, and addictions, and drugs, and alcohol, or partying, or anger, right? You know somebody who just lives their life angry, like you ever have a person that you know is just angry all the time? You know what that's a mask for, right? Fear. Like what are they masking? What do they really need deep down inside of them? Or they mask it with humor, or they mask it with materialism, or they mask it with just shallow conversation all the time. These are people who have real needs, are you willing to get to know them on a level deeper than what they show you with their mask? Are you willing to ask how are you and not take fine for an answer? Because that's never the answer. Anybody in here actually fine? It's not an answer. You might be great and have the joy of the Lord in you, but you also got things you need. What, what do people need at the well? Man, that's a question that I think we can lean into and we can pay attention. So verse 16, he told her, so here, okay, this is Jesus, all right? Jesus has a lot of wisdom. Jesus is God, and he can kind of do these things because he knows where he's going, and he knows what's going on in this woman's life. I don't recommend maybe going right into this with people in their conversations, okay? But here's what Jesus does. Verse 16, he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right 
when you say you have no husband? The fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man you're now with is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. I like how he compliments her at the end, right? You said the truth. Good job. The man you're now with is not your husband. Here's a question. What are people struggling with at the well? Whatever well you go to, what are people's struggles? People are struggling, right? I mean, they, they are. You are. I am sometimes, right? We all have our struggles. What are people struggling with at the well? And do you care about that? Do you want to hear their story? You ever ask somebody what their story is? That's a good question to ask at the well. What's your story? How, ask this. How can I pray for you? What can I do for you? People may not always want to talk about everything, but you ask people how you can pray for them. You ask people what you can do for them. You might hear some of their needs, right? You might hear some of their struggles. Do you care enough to really pay attention? So Jesus kind of gets into this with her a little bit. Uh, and in her sin, right, there's some stuff going on in her life that's not healthy and not good. But she, doing what most people do, she changes the subject. Verse 19, sir, the woman said, and you can kind of picture her kind of doing this, right? Sir, right? I can see that you're a prophet. That's what she says. I can see that you're a prophet. You, you know stuff. Cool. Hey, listen, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So she, she kind of backs up. She changes the subject, and she gets into this like debate that's going on between the Jews and the Samaritans, right? People in your life, let me ask you this, people in your life ever just want to stop and debate? People in your life ever just want to argue about political stuff? People in your life just ever want to argue about religious stuff, whatever. Like, there's people like that, and they don't want to talk about the real stuff. They just want to argue about something. They want to debate about something. So she's just bringing something up. She's like, I got to get out of this. Like, whatever we're talking about here, I don't want to talk about that. So Jesus, hey, I know you're a prophet, but let me ask you this. Should we worship here in Samaria? Is that okay? Or is it okay for the Jews just to worship out there in Jerusalem? And do we need to go there and worship there? So Jesus brings up sort of this, this tension. Jesus answers, believe me, woman, a time is coming. When you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. What do people not want to talk about at the well? They probably don't want to talk about their problems all the time. They probably don't want to talk about their struggles. They probably don't want to talk about Jesus all the time. And listen, listen, listen. That's okay. What does Jesus do here? Do you, do you, I, I want us, as we read this story, listen, if you're wondering, how do I have conversations with people about deep things? How do I talk to people about Jesus? How do I talk to people about the kingdom? How do I meet people where they are? Listen to what Jesus does. Watch him. Learn from your master. This is a master class right? On evangelism. It's a masterclass on walking and talking with someone through like what's going on in their life and just loving somebody with compassion and truth, right? This is what Jesus is doing. So he doesn't say, she kind of backs up. She's like, sir, you're a prophet. Do we worship here or there? Like what's going on? He doesn't go, hey, we're talking about you and your struggles with these men. That's not what he does. What does he do? All right, let's talk about this. <laughs> That's what he does. He's like, oh, you want to go over here? You want to talk about this? I'll, I'll follow you along. This, this is how shepherds work. You know Jesus is the good shepherd? This is how they work. 
I have a few goats, and this is how you herd goats. Um, you, if you want to, like, get goats to go where you want them to go, you don't walk in front of them. They're not going to go anywhere. Unless maybe you have food. But, like, if, you, if they don't know that you have anything they need, you know what you do? You walk behind them. You let them lead. And so you just kind of do like this the whole time. You're just kind of walking around with them, right? Like Jesus is being a shepherd. He's just letting her lead. She's having the conversation. She wants to go somewhere else. And he's just going, okay, that's cool. That's cool. You want to go over there? I'll go over there with you. I'll walk along with you. And I'll let you kind of lead the way. But Jesus, make no doubt, Jesus is getting her to the place where she sees her real need, right? Jesus is getting her to the place where the living water is because he's a good shepherd. And he's just leading her. He's just leading her with compassion and kindness. He's not jerking her around. He's not yanking on her chain, right? He's not pushing her. He's not pulling her. He's not yelling at her. He's not digging into the sin that she clearly doesn't want to talk about right now. He's just, okay. We'll talk about that. But he's brilliant, right? Jesus is brilliant. And the whole conversation, right? He knows this is her well. This is the place that she goes. So what is, how does he start it? Hey, can I have a drink? Will you give me some water? That's how he started the conversation. He knows that's going to throw her off. He's a Jew. She's a Samaritan. He knows this. So when she kind of comes back, he's just like, well, I can give you living water. Because he knows what? He knows she needs that. He knows she has something deeper inside of herself that she needs more than the physical water. She needs living water. Right? And so he's kind of guiding her around this entire conversation. And then he kind of gets to the place where he can address her struggle. And yeah, she doesn't want to talk about that. But again, he just sort of walks around with her. And she brings up the, the mountains thing and where do we worship and all that kind of stuff. And what does he do? He comes right into that conversation and continues to lead her towards the place where she's going to be able to hear the real truth that he came there to tell her. So he answers her brilliantly. A time is coming. And has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. Verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Now, pay attention to what Jesus said and how she responded. True worshipers must worship how? In spirit and in truth. Jesus is breaking down what he knows she's struggling with, isn't he? He knows she, as a Samaritan, as a woman in Samaria, who is not only that the fact that she's a Samaritan and worships in a place she's not really supposed to worship, but the fact that she's struggling with all the sins that she's struggling with. He knows that she's struggling with, can I worship God? Can I have a relationship with God? Can I draw near to God? Can I know him possibly? And so Jesus just takes that idea and breaks down every excuse she would ever have to not worship God, to not love God, to not draw near to God. She says, listen, he says, it doesn't matter if you worship here or there. It doesn't matter where you worship. Geography is not the point, right? And, and, and in that whole conversation, Jesus is leading her to understand it's not about where you're from. It's not about what you've done. It's not about if you're on this mountain or that mountain. It's not about if you're a man or a woman. It's not about if you're a Samaritan or a Jew. God wants people who worship him how? Spirit and truth. He gives two criteria. That's it. It has nothing to do with skin color. It has nothing to do with socioeconomic background. It has nothing to do with where you're from or what you have done or are currently struggling with. God wants things, two things, spirit and truth. And she knows she has one of those things. Pay attention to how she answers and see if you can pick up which one she knows she has and which one she knows she doesn't have. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will, listen, there's the key word, explain. He will explain everything to us. 
Which one does she not have, spirit or truth? Truth. She has spirit, right? When Jesus said, I need worshipers who worship in spirit and truth, he's talking about love and knowledge, right? He's talking about head and heart. She has the heart thing. She wants to know God. She wants to worship God. She desires the living water. She wants to draw near to him. She just doesn't know how to do it. She doesn't know she can do it. Y'all, this is almost everybody you meet at the well every day. People who, they, they have some kind of spiritual thirst inside of them. They want to know who God is. They want to know what that's about. They have spiritual questions. They want to know what truth is. They want to know what love is. They want to know if there's real forgiveness. They just don't know who to go to. They don't know who to ask for. They don't know who Jesus is, right? And so Jesus says, spirit and truth. She's like, I got the spirit and I know, I know when Messiah comes, he'll show us the truth. Right? That's what she's hoping for. She knows who this Messiah idea is. Hasn't Jesus gotten her to a place now where he can tell her what she really needs to know? He's just walked right along beside her, gotten her to this moment where she has confessed, man, if I could just know Messiah, if I could just see Messiah, I would know the truth. And Jesus says, I who speak to you am he. Do people know Jesus at the well, the well that you go to? Do people know Jesus? Some people do. Some people do. Some people don't. Wherever you go, whatever your well is, whatever circle of influence you have, whatever uh, community you, you live in week to week, some of those people know Christ and some may not. Listen, I don't care if you go to a Christian school, many students say, I went to a Christian college. There's a lot of people there who didn't know Jesus. In your neighborhood, in your family, on your ball, moms, dads, as you're sitting there on the bleachers watching your kids play, who else is sitting on the bleachers? That's a well. And there are people right there with real needs who need some conversation. Yes, it may be awkward, but what if you just start talking to people and get to a place over the course of the season where you can say, Jesus is he. Jesus is Messiah. Can I tell you about him? I know you got needs. Can I serve you? Can I help you? Can I share with you? Can I give to you? Because listen, if you'll, you'll be willing to meet people's needs, maybe physically, then you'll have opportunities to meet their needs spiritually, right? You can speak into their life. And Jesus does just that. Who needs to hear about Jesus? And here's the last question. Are you willing to tell them? Are you willing to go? You are going to go, but I don't mean just like go in a worldly sense. I mean go. Are you willing to go to them wherever you go? Like Jesus said, as you go, make disciples, right? Wherever you go, are you willing to go and sit at that well and get to know people's lives and intentionally open your mouth, share with them the good news of Christ? Listen, sometimes it is necessary that we have 10 minutes to talk to somebody and we know we need to share the gospel. I'm asking you, pray for wisdom in this. You need the wisdom of God because sometimes it's urgent. Sometimes it needs to happen right then. And sometimes it takes hours. Sometimes it takes days. Sometimes it takes years. Be patient with people. Be patient with God's timing as he does this. We don't know, by the way, how long Jesus sat with this woman. It's probably hours, right? It's not like this 10-minute conversation. It's probably a long time. His disciples went into town and bought food and came back. Like They had a lot of time in between. Jesus was patient. He had that, that conversation. So are you willing 
to go? Are you willing to go to the well and share Christ with people at those wells? Um, I want us to see there's, a, there's several local missions opportunities that we have here at Eastridge. Um, these are, when you, when you kind of see this list of things, here's what I want you to think. These are some wells you may have never gone to. Okay, you guys all have wells. We've talked about that. You have wells you go to every day. Go to those wells. Talk to people at those wells. But here are some other wells, just some opportunities for us um, through the Newton County CLC, Newton Pregnancy Resource, Refuge Center, Salvation Army, Willing Helpers, Bread Oxford. That's a college ministry over at Oxford College, uh, Repairs of the Breach. And we're going to watch a video here in just a second. But these are wells. These are opportunities for us to go Maybe to places we've never gone before. Maybe to a well you've never gone before. But they are open doors for opportunities for ministry that all of us have. So I actually want to say, we're going to watch this video. This is um, Tanya Hammonds from Repairs of the Breach. She actually goes to our South Campus. And she works at Repairs of the Breach with the homeless ministry there. So she's going to share with us a little bit of an opportunity that we have. Repairs of the Repairs of the Breach was started in 1991 by three couples who were already doing prison ministry. And they started uh, Repairs of the Rich Thrift Store as a way to fund their ministry. And um, it's kind of evolved to us helping the homeless. Our mission has kind of focused on homelessness and helping the homeless because the problem uh, continues to grow in our area. So we provide meals seven nights a week now. Um, and it is a group of churches who we've organized that want to help serve meals to the homeless. Um, what that consists of, what that looks like, is preparing the meal off-site, bringing it, and serving it. And it can be something as simple as soup and sandwich, or it can be um, fried chicken, sides, and dessert. It can be whatever your budget allows. In addition to the meals, we also have the showers open five days a week. We have plans in the near future to remodel the showers. Um, it's going to be taking place probably next month and uh, make it more accessible to where um, the bathroom can be used while the shower is being used. And we'll have also have a washer and dryer where we can wash the towels on site. We've recently added the laundry ministry to the shower services for uh, the individuals uh, taking advantage of the showers. And what that consists of is a group of people meeting them at the laundromat and they pay for the laundry. The individuals do their laundry themselves. And that gives them a, a sense of responsibility um, that they are doing something for their self. Most of the people that we're dealing with find themselves to be homeless because of severe mental health issues. I find that's the number one um, issue. And then some of them with severe mental health issues also have drug addictions and alcohol addictions um, as well. Some of them have both. You know, some of them may have one or the other. Um, and their family has uh, cut all ties with them, even, you know, and they just say they're not welcome here. And, and I, I'm not, they're, I'm not saying the homeless are innocent. I'm not saying this, these people are innocent. Um, I'm saying that um, they're still people and they need other people to show them the love of God and show them that someone does care because we have in the past 
few months, several have attempted suicide um, or spoke of wanting to commit suicide. I know the Bible says we'll always have the poor with us. And um, so we know that what we're doing is the right thing by providing them with meals, food, uh, clothing, uh, providing them with uh, support in, in ways that we can. A few ways people could get involved is serving a meal. They can volunteer to work in the thrift store or they can volunteer to work in the service side to be like a kitchen shower monitor. Or they could volunteer a group of people to come and serve a meal. You know, they could organize a group of people to come together and serve a meal or a group of people to come and volunteer. We have youth groups come and say they're gonna volunteer one Saturday every quarter. You know, it doesn't have to be weekly. It can be on whatever schedule they're available. Um, we have so many opportunities, y'all, to serve here at Eastridge. Um, out, like I said, out there in the atrium are many of our local missions partners, Salvation Army, um, Repairs of the Breach, um, Refuge, and uh, CLC, and Bread Oxford. Listen, some groups of people in this town right now, whether it's the poor, homeless, um, college students who are here from all over, I don't know if you guys have been to Oxford College, there are students here from all over the world. Most of them, and I'm serious, I've, I've heard the stats on this, most of them are depressed. Most of them are not Christian. Most of them have no friends or family here. They just sit at their school on the weekends. What are they probably doing? They're sitting in their dorm rooms by themselves. They have no transportation and there's a whole ministry that we support over here, and we, can, we have some open doors to get to know some college students. What an incredible ministry if some of y'all opened your home to a college kid once a weekend. Wow, right? What an incredible ministry if you signed up to go serve a meal over at Repairs of the Breach. What an incredible ministry if you showed up at the Refuge Center and helped volunteer to meet needs of women, young women or unwed women or whoever might be struggling with an unplanned pregnancy or just wondering what to do in the world. That's a well and we have these opportunities, Salvation Army, CLC, teaching young kids about Jesus in our public schools, right? These are wells we have, in addition to all the ones that you guys already go to, right? All I'm saying is, don't ever make the excuse that there's not a well to go to, because they're here. They're all around us. Um, as you guys leave today, um, I want to encourage you, stop at those, those tables, ask questions. Um, there's, we have quarters that you can drop in the little Tide buckets for laundry that she was talking about, the, that homeless people get to do their own laundry, and we can drop quarters in just to allow them to do that, right? You can sign up to take a meal out there as well. You can, there's all sorts of ways you can start to get involved, and I would just encourage you to do that. And then also today and then next week again, we'll have our special missions offering um, that we'll take up at the end here in just a few minutes. But right now, here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to sing a song, we're going to worship Jesus, but also while we're doing that, I want to really challenge us as a church to do what we did last week as we started to pray, just to ask God. So here's our prayer for today. Here's the prayer I want to kind of encourage you to pray. God, what well are you sending me to right now? Now, again, there's kind of two ways of that happening. There's all sorts of wells that you go to already, every day. You're going to go to some wells tomorrow, your school, your job, wherever. But there may be another well that God's sending you to, especially a different place, a different opportunity, a different group of people. And it may not be that you're going to go there and just 
everybody's going to become Christians all at once, but you might go there, wherever that is that God might be sending you, and you start to get to know people. You start to serve them. You start to meet needs. You can be the hands and feet of Jesus. Just like Jesus showed this woman in that moment the living water, that you can do that for somebody else. So the last verse I want to share is verse 39. Uh, Miss Julie, if you'll throw up Miss Ver- uh, verse 39. Verse 39 says, many of the Samaritans from that town, listen, believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Can you imagine the next day after she met Jesus and realized he was the Messiah? She's the first person, by the way, that he revealed that to, a Samaritan woman. And the next day, maybe she showed up at the well at the right time with all the other women back in the community And everybody was probably like, whoa, we know what you've done. And she was like, I know, and so does Jesus, right? He told me what I did, and he's Messiah. He's coming and said that, and the the, the rest of that passage says that people go out of the town and go meet Jesus. You know what happens when we go to the well? People from the well go out into the world, and more people come to meet Jesus. If we'll just go to the wells, right? So let's be willing. I'm just asking you while we sing, sing, stand, sing, kneel, come up front and pray. Just ask God, God, where are you sending me? What wells can I go to right here in this community? So let's do that together.